Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to Cork Talk. Before we begin this month's episode with Elkin Creek Vineyard, we have a few announcements for you. First, this is our 15th episode and last new episode of Season 1. We've learned a lot over the last year, and we're already looking forward to next year. This brings us to number two. We're going to change up the format slightly. We'll be featuring an education segment where we bring in guests to talk about different aspects of wine from North Carolina and abroad. The first new format will be dropping in January, so keep your eyes on social media. And number three, we've created a Patreon page to help us build a stronger community of listeners. If you enjoy what you hear and want to find out how you can actively contribute, head to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash corktalk for more details. Another way to support the show is by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It only takes a minute and we really appreciate the feedback. Thanks for all your support and we look forward to our next season. And now on to the show. In this episode of Cork Talk, we sit down with Lewis, Carrie, Jennifer, and Nick of Elkin Creek Vineyard in Elkin, North Carolina. Between the four of them, they are the heart and soul of Elkin Creek. In this conversation, we learn how the team took what was a vision of the future and made it come to life. When you visit Elkin Creek Vineyard, you'll be stepping outside of the hustle and bustle and into a quiet respite where you can relax and unwind. So sit back, pour a glass, and listen. So we're here today with Lewis and Carrie Jarislow and Jennifer and Nick White of Elkin Creek Vineyard in Elkin, North Carolina. Thank you all for being here, and Thanks welcome to Cork us. Talk. Thank you. So let's go around the table and have everyone introduce themselves. Can you start with you? Okay, Lewis, go, go for it. I'm Lewis Jarislow. I'm a winemaker at Elkin Creek Vineyard. I'm Carrie Jarislow. I do lots of different things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jennifer White, and I do weddings and events here. I'm Nick White. I'm the resident chef, so I do the pizzas and baked bread and uh, cater the weddings and also do uh, some ground keeping here. Everyone's busy. Busy, Very busy, busy. busy. Yeah. So, how do you all know each other like before Elkin Creek? Funny story. <laughs> Sit the Wayback Machine <laughs> to uh, 1997. Nothing, yeah. That's in the very beginnings of the story, I met Carrie um, in pre-production for the load-in of the Blue Man Group production in Chicago, and uh, and we just were co-workers, and, and she would come through on, on uh, direction visits, and we'll talk, I guess, a little bit more about what it, we all did various different things, you know, with the company, but um, that I think that was the first. Mm-hmm. Contact and then Jennifer started in Chicago. I'll let Jennifer tell her story. I did. I started in Chicago in the stage management department, and that's how I knew Lewis and ultimately met Carrie because mm-hmm. she would come through Chicago. And then Nick and I met when he was hired to do the Vegas show. And so we met during training uh, yeah, for that in New York. In New York. And ultimately, ultimately, we all were in Las Vegas together doing the show. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So it's a great way to kind of like bring everyone together. So what took you from Blue Man Group to Elkin, North Carolina? Uh, Well, Nick and I were together for about seven years when we decided to get married. Um, We were in Las Vegas at the time and wanted to come back closer to family to get married. And we found this place. And so back in 2008, uh, we chose Elkin Creek to get married and 
we asked our friend Carrie to officiate our wedding. Yes. And Lewis, um, I basically asked Lewis to make our wedding special by doing lots of lighting and all sorts of different things. Um, but he also ended up making wine with Mark, the previous owner, during our wedding at the same time. <laughs> I had started making wine as a hobby about almost four years before that. And so when we came here, we were doing the lighting and music and setting speakers, putting lights up in the trees. And Mark, being a handy guy as well, it was particularly... He, he had said several times, like, where are y'all from? We've never, <laughs> never had a wedding like this before. Where'd you get the idea to do this? And what'd you get? Uh, we had to explain, like, well, that's kind of what we do is make theater magic. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I designed the lights for this show in Fort Worth, Texas, back in 95, when we did put lights in the trees, and that's where the idea came from. So then, meanwhile, he said, well, you know, after the rehearsal dinner tomorrow morning, you guys are setting up. If you need me, I'll be in the winery. This was in October. And so he was pressing grapes at that time. He was pressing Cabernet the next morning. And uh, I'll be in the winery. I got to press grapes all day and press Cabernet Sauvignon. And I said, do you mind if I come and watch? Sure, buddy. Come watch if you want to. So we had gotten everything set up and went. And uh, and I was watching him and asking questions. As a home winemaker, making wine in my kitchen for you know years and seeing a a commercial production was just sort of, you know, starstruck and fascinated and asking lots of questions of him about winemaking. And he's asking me questions about carpentry and welding and <laughs> fabrication <laughs> and weird stuff. And, and, uh, and so we, you know, that was the, it was just a very, we, we all fell in love with Mark in various different ways and, and stayed in touch with him over the years. And I think adding to that is, is that when we were in Las Vegas with Blue Man Group, um, we all, uh, kind of at the same time, I mean, it was a few, maybe some staggered years, Carrie, I think, left first, and mm-hmm. Jennifer and Lewis and I left at the same time, but we were all four just looking for something different to do. Um, it, and closer it, to family. And closer to, to yeah. family, and and it, I guess, just so happened that we, you know, we found this place, got married here, but then stayed connected with Mark, um, previous owner, um, and so there was always a, a a connection to this place, even after we were married here, after we you know, discovered it. Yes. Yeah, and I think we all would hang, hang out together and talk about what what is life after Vegas, and um, we're all from the side of the country, so how do we get back here? And we had these ideas of how it was going to happen. Mm-hmm how we would get here. And then what we found was we actually had a similar vision as to what we wanted to do, which just centered around having a place for people to just enjoy life or celebrate or find solitude or what kind of whatever they need, just a really sacred, special place. And um, it was always visioned after Elfin Creek Vineyard, mm-hmm. but we <laughs> never thought that that would happen because Mark pretty much told Jennifer and Nick that that would never happen. So, um, so we just, you know, but we stayed in contact with him. Yeah. Obviously, after we got married, um, we would actually come back and visit with him. And it was, let's see, our daughter June was eighteen months old. So, you can do the math there. It was around that time that. He contacted us and basically said that he was considering moving on and that he thought that we might be some of the folks that would be interested in ABLE, and um, we took a jump. Yes, <laughs> we did. So it was 
amazing because we, we set this big vision after Elm Creek Vineyard thinking, well, we're going to get to North Carolina in some other way. But it ended up Mark coming to us mm-hmm. with that exact place. So it was really just a dream come true. We really didn't know how it would happen, but with every door that we thought would shut, it was just actually open. So really, we all sat around the table one day in Las Vegas, and we said, well, what, what is keeping us from doing this? And our answer was fear. And then Lewis said, you know, well, that's not a reason to not do something. So we just jumped at it, and that was in 2011. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. And we, and we moved across country in April of 2012. Yep. And you're living proof that there is life outside of Vegas. There are. Right? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, it was, you know, Blue Man, yes. we, so between the four of us, we were with Blue Man Group for between 12 up to 15 years. And we had careers before Blue Man. Jennifer was with Second City. Oh, wow. And then all kinds of people coming through there. I had a career, you know, long before Blue Man Group is how I got the job with them and um, in the entertainment business. And I had gone to college here in Winston-Salem and grew up in the Smoky Mountains in the summer times, and, uh, and so we all had roots here in the, in the area between Tennessee and Maryland and, and here, and Nick grew up in High Point, and so we were, this was very much always felt like home to all of us, but leaving not only Blue Man Group, but the entertainment industry, and Nick had a career in music as well, and, and, um, and so that feels like as much of a leap as leaving Blue Man Group, which sure. was a very comfortable, you know, familiar life. Um, it's a lot of work as well, um, and we got to do some amazing, really amazing things, and have some incredible experiences we'll never forget. But um, it was a lot of work, and and uh, and that that leap, I think, from the entertainment, from our careers, into something like this, where we're just really forging our own path. Um, besides the only a few thousand years of winemaking history before us, <laughs> but um, but that it that was. I think that was the scary, scarier part. So what are some parallels between the entertainment industry and the wine industry? Because you're, you're really doing a lot of similar stuff, <laughs> yes. but a smaller stage maybe? I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I joke with people doing the tastings that, you know, like, yeah, we're making wine now, but it's still show business, mm-hmm. you know, really, especially <laughs> weddings particularly. Oh, yeah. Oh, My yeah. job is very similar to what I did before because I'm really doing a live event every time. Um, and that's what I was doing with Blue Man. I was calling the show and I'm, I'm virtually calling the event, so to speak. Um, so my job is very similar. So I felt great about my skill set coming in and being able to, to do weddings and events and do more of them. It's just a very different experience in terms of, you know, it's a, not a very different experience. It's a, it's an experience that brings a lot of joy and love. And that's the main focus of this. Whereas, you know, it was a different kind of show with Blue Man, but also brought its own joy and love. I think that the difference is, is that you're working with a different couple every single time. And so we pretty much knew what we were working with with Blue Man. You know, we knew the performers would change here and there, but we pretty much knew what the show was every time. That's true. This is a show is like every, you know, different all the time. I don't know. I was always behind the scenes. So like when I officiate weddings, to me, that's really weird because I'm actually... (laughs) you know, in front of everyone where I really feel more comfortable. I was one of the directors and uh, a casting director. And so I like to be behind the scenes, but, um, so it's a, it's a little bit different, but I still feel like all my skill sets that I learned in blue man are really serving me with everything that I do here. People, I make the pizzas on Sunday and people will sometimes joke about, Oh, it's a lot different than playing drums. Cause I played drums for blue man, uh, for 12 years. 
And it's actually not that different in my world um, because when I played drums for Blue Man Group, it was focus. It was doing different things with different limbs. Um, and and uh, when I'm making pizzas, it takes a very, for me, a very similar focus. Um, I am constantly moving. Um, so it, it's it's... Of course, not playing drums, but it's a very similar. When I'm in there, it's very, very similar to when I was playing a show for Blue Man Group. And then with uh, wine tastings, uh, I don't work the tasting room that often, but um, in Blue Man Group, after the shows, there would be meet and greet. So we would meet people from all over the world. And it's very similar here in that way. Whenever I am um, doing tastings or brief time I can meet someone here. We get people from all over the, the country and all over the world. So that's a similarity to our theatrical experience, certainly my personal experience, yeah. which is really cool. I think also we really uh, adopt the show must go on. You know, like there can be lots of different things that have happened during a course of a day or a wedding, and our thing is, how are we going to make this happen? Um, and how are we going to make it happen in um, a, a welcoming, hospitable, uh, joyful way as much as possible? Because yeah. that's why people want, that's the energy that people want yeah. here. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. Torrential rain, storms, <laughs> hail, broken doesn't, pipes, doesn't freezing. Equipment, equipment I mean, failures just, during winemaking. Oh, no. You know, just oh, yeah. lots of things. It's just, that's, I think, our theatrical career really helped us with, like, how, we're going to, it's going to happen. How? I think one of the most amazing blessings as well for us is not only our background in the arts in general, but also with Blue Man Group is, is an extremely, ultimately collaborative environment. Yes. And we had over a decade of intensive training oh, on yes. how to work yeah. in a collaboration with people on how to work as a team and having, you know, difficult conversations when they have, when they come up and, you know, leaving ego at the door and we all just want the best outcome and the best for the company and the best for the customers and their experience. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's, that has been just an amazing blessing for us is that as things come up in our partnership that we are equipped to, to address things and move through them and figure out better ways and more efficiencies. And it's been, we're really fortunate. Yeah. Blue Man was very specific about um, making sure that not only we did our job well, but also how we did our job with one another. It was just as important and we were held accountable for that. And I agree. We took those, that, um, that experience and those lessons and brought them into what we do with the four of us. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't feel luckier than mm -hmm. to be partners with these people. Totally. Well, you just get the synergy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's there. It's noticeable to folks that come in. So oh, that's important. You. So let's kind of switch topic a little okay. bit. Let's move into wine. Talk about the wines that are made here in the vineyard. So if you want to walk us through kind of what varietals are planted here and then what are the other varietals you work with? Sure. We, um, well, we make French and Italian, predominantly um, wines and blends, and we also make a German wine, uh, and, and um, that's made from a single varietal as well. Right now, we're, we're having a little crossover in the vineyard and changing over some of our varietals, um, finding just the right thing for the right spots and sure. stuff. But we, um, we have had great success with the original plantings that we have here of uh, Sangiovese, 
and Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, we also source grapes regularly from several vineyards nearby us here in the Yakin Valley that I've been very fortunate you know, since we arrived and over the years have forged really wonderful, I don't, I don't consider it, and I think my, they don't either, um, we don't consider it just a, a straightforward business relationship or a business transaction. It was really a partnership when you're working with other growers. And, uh, and so we, we, we source from other grapes and other vineyards here in the Yakin Valley, not only wineries that maybe grow more fruit than they care to use, and we buy some of those. And I'm, um, you know, or growers who just have a vineyard and sell their fruit, but in both cases, people that I have a really good rapport with, good communication, I'm familiar with their practices, we collaborate on their vineyard management practices and, and techniques and timing and steps and um, you know, harvest decision, and, and that's something we all we, work on together. So there's probably four or five other vineyards that we source from as well. And those are between other other French and Italian and then this uh, particular German varietal grape, which is called Dornfelder, that we've had great success with, but we also buy um, Petit Verdot, Chardonnay, Viognier. Um, we make a wine from Niagara. That uh, Niagara grape um, is, uh, that wine is called our soft white. It's extremely popular and has a very distinctive uh, flavor, and it's made in a balanced summertime style. It's really delicious, um, easy drinking. Say, or in 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 the, the in the business, we call it quaffable. <laughs> it's, it's highly quaffable. And um, trying to think of other varietals that we uh, that we buy: Chamberson and uh, Syrah. Um, so we we have a, a broader palette of colors to paint. So how would you describe your winemaking style? I am a new world winemaker with old world affectations. And I'll have to qualify that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they, you know, old world wines, generally, you, you describe as wines from old world Europe. And when somebody describes old world winemaking, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of let the fruit speak itself and sure. and um, native yeast are doing the inoculation basically as a as a as a winemaker you are growing the wine in the vineyard and you stay out of the way and let the wine um, express itself in a transparent way you know in France there's not really a word for winemaker there's no there's no term for that it's called a wine grower vigneron Right. They don't. You don't make the wine. It's like, oh God, how could you? No, you don't make the wine. You grow the wine. The wine makes itself. You stay out of the way if you know what's good for you. So, um, when uh, new world winemaking or new world winemaker, what I mean is, is that not only are some of the different vineyard management practices and the regions that we grow the grapes in newer places than old world Europe, um, and that's worldwide, not just here in North America, but. Um, that there's a different fruit profile uh, that that you can gain from these different regions and their their terroir and their sun exposure and climate, but also <clears throat> in the winery we have technology available, and that you know on years when it's necessary, and hopefully it is not, but on years when it's necessary, we I have tools at my disposal to make the best wine possible if I need to make corrections to the juice you sure. know, in advance of the winemaking, the firm primary fermentation starting. And then there's a thousand steps after that before the wine reaches a bottle. And then it continues to evolve after that. It's a living thing, you know? And so, um, and so that's the, the, 
the new world winemaking part is uh, is that I, I I do take the steps, or you know, you could call it taking liberties with making adjustments to the juice of different wines as they're speaking to me on a particular vintage of what is needed or not needed. But then old world affectations, meaning I appreciate the old world style of the wines and what I'm particularly inspired by as a winemaker, the stories and the regions and history. That's what got me into winemaking back in 2004 was, uh, was I always enjoyed and appreciated wine, enjoyed learning about the grapes and the varieties and the regions, but I didn't know much about the winemaking process. And I kept reading references to this process and that process. And I just thought that was dumb. So I bought some books <laughs> and I caught the bug and the rest is history. But um, the history really inspires me in those particular wine styles. And I find that over time, our wines keep returning back to that. If there's a touchstone, the touchstone is coming back to Orlean and Rome. They make it like this. And that's what inspired me for this particular wine. In Germany, the traditional table style is like this, and that's how we made ours. Do you have a favorite one that you've ever made? It depends on my mood or my meal. It's you know, it's like asking somebody who's your favorite child. That's what everyone says when I ask that question. Um, so, uh, what I am especially happy about, you know, proud of, I would say, but something that's very important to me is that all of our wines are very distinct from each other. And when you you go to some places and you do a wine tasting. And you taste through the wines, and you'll have favorites, or you have some others that are, yeah, you know, it's okay. But that at a certain point, some of the wines begin to taste a bit similar to each other, and they start to blend together. Where I, I really believe, and I've heard this, you know, from people to reinforce that, is that our wines are distinct from each other. They do not taste alike. You taste from one to the next to the next, and you can really taste not only the difference of the, the varietal character coming through, but the particular wine style and what it was that I was trying to go for, inspired by, or what that particular vintage was calling for, and, and, uh, and that the wines do not taste alike. And you can really, uh, I, I find that our customers have their own particular favorites, and they will not they will not have it if they show up and that wine is sold out. <laughs> and I have tried to talk them into, you know, I'm sorry that that, that vintage Rosa is not available right now, but have you tried our... Dornfelder, or have you tried our? We have a, a red table wine we call Adequate Red, and um, and you should try the Adequate Red. It's a Syrah Merlot blend. It's really lovely, nice little peppery finish. Try that. You know, we just try to <laughs> wean them over to another one of the wines. But uh, some people, Dornfelder or Rosso or Soft White or that our Chardonnay, our Sangiovese, people are like that is their jam, and they are not happy if it's you know, <laughs> happens to be not available at a certain time. And they thankfully knock on wood that our wines sell out, and which is great, but, um, and so uh, I can't say which one's my favorite. So what's the case production? Right now we're making about 1,500 cases a year. <clears throat> and um, the majority of that is for us, and a small portion of that is actually wine I make on behalf of another vineyard, or other vineyards um, as a, a you know, contract facility. Sure. So is there one, uh, one wine that stands above, like customer favorite or all favorite? You know, I, I get asked that a lot when I'm doing tastings, and I can never answer that. Because it really varies on what's in. It varies on who the customer is. It really I is. think each wine has its following. Yeah. You know, I have. that's what I've found. The Vendue is great. 
in the red wine gravy that I make. Oh, the, yeah, that was delicious. <laughs> for the beef so tenderloin. That's, that's your favorite. Yes. It worked great. I, it, it's mainly Vindu, our port-style wine, and and it's it's probably three-quarters that and a quarter uh, rosa. It's so good. And that gravy so is that's like kind of my favorite so right now. I always, I, I, I will. Sounds tasty. If I'm going to make that, I'll go and I'll just, you know, sample and I grab that. We served that Vindu with a tiramisu at a wine dinner. We were all sitting around the table, but we were going, oh my God, this is so good. It was just the (laughs) way it complimented each other. You know, it was just delicious. And then like the Vino Limon, I mean, I really, I have people coming from Ohio, New York, and I just, please look on our website because I keep it all current there. But like they'll come and say, I came here for the Vino Limon. And I said, I'm sorry, that's, that just sells out so fast. So that has its following. The Rosa, the Sangiovese, I mean the Dornfelder. I, you know, I've had people basically tell me that if you stop making like the Sangiovese, they'll <laughs> we all know who that is. That's our neighbor. We love you, Jan. I know where you live. And she does. Yeah. She does, actually. So switching back to the property then a little bit more. So we've talked about the wine, the different wine offerings that you have. Talk about all the other things that you have to offer here. It's more than just wine. Oh, well, we have, um, I mean, the idea really that we want to create here is a place where you can kind of come and have a whole experience. You can stay on property. We have four uh, intimate cabins. They're really modern on the inside, rustic on the outside, super comfortable. You can come and stay, hang out by the creek. We have two creeks that come together on the property. It's just a beautiful day to hang out by the creek. A lot of people bring their kids. They go swimming in the creek. Um, you know, and then we have our restaurant as well. Um, so eat and stay and enjoy wine and weddings, you know, we do weddings and events. Um, I mean, it's really what we want is that people come here and they can have a full experience or they can have one of those that some people just come and stay in the cabins and we never see them in the tasting room. They just want a nice, comfortable, modern, but rustic, just dwelling to, be quiet. themselves to be quiet to we've had people that have come in vision done visioning for the year people who have come and done business plans or you know they just are going around the Yakin Valley or in Stone Mountain with their families they don't really come here that much but they just love the property and can enjoy it in that way so I think one of the things that we're becoming so proud of is the food that we make here. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an authentic wood fire brick oven that obviously we use for the pizza. I'll let you speak to this more, but we use it for so many things now. It's a feature. I think it's a very important part of our entire place. You want to talk about um, we, I don't know what to add really other than what you said. I mean, it's just, it is an authentic brick oven that um, has served us well. And it, it, it's, it's incredible for the pizzas. It's where I bake uh, our sourdough bread, um, and usually for weddings or any event, I'll have it going if I think I might need it, and it has come in handy for all kinds of things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a brick oven. Uh, I only use wood, so it's just it's fully 
fired by wood, which is really cool. Do you have a preference on wood type that you use? Uh, not necessarily. It's as long as it's uh, a hard wood. Um, you know, I use a lot of oak. Um, I've used um, hickory. Uh, people ask if you can taste it. You can't really. It's the, especially for the pizzas. They're not in there long enough to taste the specific wood. But if it's hard wood um, and dry, it's perfect. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. How hot does the oven get to? Um, well, it depends. You're in different places, I mean, right? It, it depends. I mean, the oven can get, I mean, probably hits 1,000 degrees or close to it when it's really ripping with fire. But um, it just depends. If I'm making pizzas, it's I've learned to, to be able to get it at, at the right temperature for that. If I'm baking bread, I've learned to get it at the right temperature for that. Or if I'm roasting asparagus or whatever it might be. Um, it's, it's, it's something I'm proud of that, um, it, it, it's just working with the wood with no supplemental heat, um, has been a challenge, but it's been quite rewarding in what comes out of there. So, um, the, the temperatures vary, but, um, it's, uh, that's the, I always tell people, they, I, I say the, the trickiest part, or the, not hard, but the trickiest part is not making the pizza. The trickiest part is the fire. So anybody could probably make a pizza, but but you know, tending to the fire and knowing how to to work that oven, that specific oven, is you know something that's taken a while. And that's where your intense focus really comes oh, into yeah. play. Yeah, it has and to. And rhythm. Yeah. There's a lot of rhythm to what he does. It has to. I don't want to mess up your pizza. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't want that either. So let's talk more about the pizza. So pizzas are available on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. They're available to the public every Sunday, but we do a lot of them for our, our weddings sure. and a lot of them for private events too. So by request, by request, we're like you sure. know, well, you know, we have we can make you steak, we can make you the like you know seafood, and we can make this, we can make that. No, 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 we want pizza. <laughs> okay, all right, I want pizza. Yes. But uh, Sunday's eleven to five, mm-hmm. but all wine service starts at twelve. Yes. Right. Yes. So, what's your favorite pizza to make or eat? Oh gosh, it, it, to eat it, it varies. Uh, sometimes I want sauce. Sometimes I don't want sauce. Sometimes it, it, for my personal favorite, it, it really varies. And there, um, I, I don't know, a, a cheese pizza in there is really, really good. Okay. Um, and also a pizza we make uh, called a bacon and brie pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people get that. Uh, um, has no sauce, just olive oil on the crust, and it's. Uh, caramelized onion, sauteed spinach with garlic, bacon, uh, and brie cheese. You know, that's a favorite for a lot of people. Um, gosh, I, I don't know that there's a favorite. Um, they're all pretty good coming out of there. And uh, the fun, a fun thing for me is to, is to, is, is that I've learned what a lot of people's favorite pizzas are. Mm-hmm. Um, when they come in, I know those people are going to get <laughs> this. Those people are going to get that. I know they want theirs cooked a little bit longer. Um, so it's hard to, it's hard to name a favorite. Customers will come in and there are a few where we don't even have to take their order. We just Mm -hmm. put their order in because they come that frequently and get the same thing. And he knows exactly what they're looking for. And it's, yeah, that's special to us that they come back to us that often. I I always say that's the biggest compliment. It's the biggest compliment to to our, our, our wine, you know, to our facility. Uh, the cabins, you know, I just think that repeat customers is, is one of the greatest, you know, compliments, you know, um, and and it's it's a bonus when people come and they say, oh, you know, Nick Pete was 
great as it always is. That's huge. I never, ever take that for granted. Um, and that's, you know, that's why I focus and try to make it as your pizza, you know, the next time you come in, I hope that it's, you know, better than or certainly equal to what you had the last time you came in. So you'll come back. It's always one of our favorite things to do on Sundays. Thank you. It's to come here. And when we get people, like we'll get messages on Facebook, hey, where, what should you do? What should, you know, we're here for on a Sunday. And always we say, oh. you've got to go to Elkin Creek for the pizza and the wine. Thank you. Because it's a great, it's just Thank such you. a great combination. Well, I, I yes, it, it's a great it combination. It's a great combination. Thank you. Thank you. And I, you know, I, I, I love doing it. I know Lewis loves making wine. I mean, I think that's one of the things that uh, is, is seen here. I think it's one of the things that people notice um, is, you know, that, that we do love what we do here. Um, and to put, you know, tremendous focus and detail and care into it. And the sourdough bread is just as good as the pizza. Oh, so thank you. You can't, you can't go wrong with either of those. <laughs> that took a while to get it right, but I'm happy with that as well. Thank you. You'd asked about the place, and I, I, I think that something that we felt in 2008 couldn't, couldn't frame the, to really realize it, and then when people come and visit, there's something they just feel when they're here, and that now that we've spent this much time here, I, I really believe that this is a this is a very special place on earth. This little piece of land, and um, and not only that, well, one of the things we were very clear about our visions of where what kind of place we wanted to, what kind of place where we wanted to live, is that it was secluded but not remote. And sure enough, you there were. Yeah. Five minutes off I seventy seven, exactly. And then, you know, or you know, you could throw a rock and hit the Ingalls, you know, a couple of miles away. But um, it's to be a long throw. But <laughs> you, uh, you know, you come into the property, and the, the way that the road crests up and over the hill, and you get over here toward the creek, and you park and you get out, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Like, where are we? This is like completely secluded. It's nicely tucked away. Hill, tucked yeah. away. And then the creeks, and we have two. There's the Big Elkin Creek and also the Grassy Creek. And right behind our tasting room, the two creeks merge, and that's our wedding spot. It's the confluence of these two creeks. That's actually what drew us to get married here. That's ex- that's the exact main spot. reason we said that's where we want to get married, where those two creeks come together. So if anything actually brought us here, it was the two creeks, because <laughs> that's how we discovered Elkin Creek, That's this place. So. And I'm sure Native Americans were here, you know, long, oh, yeah. long before. And then this grist mill, the research, the reading I've done, and that there, there, there's mention that there was a different type of mill there first, before the grist mill, some type of sawmill, it's called a sash-type sawmill. And then the grist mill was built in 1896, originally, and people have been coming to this particular patch of land. And there's a funny story, there was some professors from UNCG Brighton School of Business that were doing a research project. Um, about the wine race on, on behalf of the North Carolina Wine Group Council. This was a good handful of years ago when they were first starting it. And they came and visited, and one of these gentlemen uh, was from India. And um, and we were describing the place and talking about the, the features, talked about these creeks converging. His eyes got really big. And he said, you realize what you have? I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't, what do I have? And he said, you have a sangha. What's a sangha? It's like, oh my gosh, it's a very holy place. Like the Ganges, where the, where the rivers merge, and it's a, it's a site of, of 
very powerful religious pilgrimage every year that people go there and they clean, they cleanse their spirits and then they cleanse their souls in the water. A sangam, a confluence of water, is very spiritually powerful. And then um, we've had some some other things, uh, events happen here where that had been referenced about you know the, the sanctity of water and, and flowing water and how important water is to li- all life. And um, and so I you know it gave me an excuse to do a little bit of research and reading. And sure enough, there's countless different um, traditions and religions and, and um, cultures that revere especially two bodies of water merging, where a place where two bodies merge. And um, and so not only do we have that, of course, but this prominent feature of the Big Elgin Creek and where the log dam was behind the grist mill that used to power the mill, which was smashed away a long time ago, but now we have this beautiful little gentle waterfall feature behind the, the mill. And um, that type of exposed bedrock is the feature that that is why all of these water-powered mills of all kinds, textile and crystal and they've dotted all through Appalachia and uh, and this you know this region. And so um, this particular spot, I, I think these you know these these grapes can feel it too. It's a very special place, and the visitors that come here and people that get married here and people who come back and visit feel like they can they can feel the place without necessarily being able to put their finger on it. There's something about this place. Mm-hmm. It's always inviting, and it's you know, come and relax. It's really impressed. So, in that sense, it's definitely a special place. We always want people to feel like you're coming to a friend's house. Mm-hmm. Like when you walk into the right, dinner, it's kind of like yeah. Cheers, and you walk yeah. in, everybody's right. like Norm. <laughs> you, know, you feel like you're you know coming to a friend's house to hang out. And also, just to play on what you said, we we also want people to come here and relax. Right. This is a place to spend time. Right. This yeah. is not a place Definitely. to rush through. This is a place to enjoy and explore and have a, just have a great day, we, whenever that day is. We love it when people come in the morning on a Sunday and when we're closing they're at still five, there. they're still here. <laughs> <laughs> they come up, got, got another wine, maybe got another pizza even. They're just, you know, hanging by the creek and just hanging here for the day. We love that <laughs> so much. It's an awesome feeling. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we we talked a little bit about um, you know the whole benefits in the package and everything that you have here. So, what are some you know pros and cons of operating not only just the winery, not just the restaurant, but operating both of them together? Well, I mean, one of the very first ones I touched on earlier, a pro I think, is the the people we meet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I would definitely consider that a pro. I mean, we meet people, we make new friends, we meet people from all over the world. Um, and, you know, that's just a general pro of having this having this business because we have people coming here, you know, every weekend um, for various reasons. And so that's certainly a pro. I think the combination, the combination of the two really makes this play and our cabins um, make this place a destination. And it, it, it really is a testament to Mark's original vision. The reason why we have this well-appointed kitchen, mm-hmm. fully functional commercial kitchen in the tasting room, is not by accident. It was it was a restaurant. It was designed as a restaurant, operated as a full restaurant um, from when it, it opened originally around 2004, 2005, when it was completed, uh, up until about 2010 or so. Uh, yeah, I believe so. gone through some chefs and decided to close it down as a restaurant. The tastings were downstairs in the liner. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't have the wine tastings up here in the restaurant. And um, and so 
having this you know amazing resource that we use for our weddings and events, Sunday pizza, uh, our wine dinners, where we can do multi-course wine pairing dinners and special events and things like that. It's um, it's just another another thing that that really makes the the place a you know really broad and, and rich destination. I, I mean, I think one thing that could have been a con, but we were very aware is the demand of running a restaurant. Oh, we yes, have a lot true. of friends who are very deep into restaurants from Las Vegas. I mean, five-star restaurants. And so we knew that that was not what we wanted to do. And so a lot of people ask, well, why aren't you open on other days to do pizzas? And really one is because we didn't come in here to run a restaurant. We came in here to have this really special day on Sundays. It's something Mark started and we really love it. It gets people out on a Sunday, something to do. Um, we do our weddings, but we know that we're not restaurateurs. We're not, and I think that that would really take away from our families. So I think just understanding our limitations made that what could have been a con of running a restaurant really work for us. And it also, I think, makes what we do special. You know, right. we're, exactly. we're specific about what we choose to do. And when we choose to do it, we do give all that we have into it. So. Yeah. It's a really great way of turning a challenge into something mm -hmm. meaningful and, uh, you know, not so much of a challenge. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. What are some of the things that you've learned over the years of doing business? Mm. <laughs> How to do QuickBooks. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things I've learned the most about doing business here is just how much the weather plays into virtually everything that we do uh -huh. um, from not only obviously the vineyard and groundwork to what's happening the day of an event to what might happen to our property to even um, just planning our personal and family schedules is so weather dependent, which is a new thing for me, but it's, mm -hmm. it's a very interesting ride for that. Yeah, that's, I think that's really Apropos, the weather is very. The weather is like another character in our story. Yes, yes. It's another person, business it's partner. Yeah, it's a business partner. It's the fist. So volatile. If, if you see one of us with our phones, um, if it's on the weekend, there's a radar. really good chance we're looking Checking at the, the radar. radar. Yeah, we're looking at the radar. I think one of the things I've really learned with business is. Um, so when we took over in 2011, there was a good handful of wineries and vineyards. But in the seven and a half years almost that we've been here, there are a lot more. And so that's awesome. We actually do not look at them as competition. We want to be the next Sonoma. We know we need to have a lot of them. But as the four of us sitting together in our business meetings, the discussions have led to what makes us unique and really honing in on knowing that and what our brand is and all the fancy business speak. Um, but really, really accentuating that which makes us special. And finding ways to um, make it special all year round. You know, a lot of times with vineyards and wineries, there's a winter season where even some people close, and that's great. We, we stay open all year round. We're always open, and we're always looking to do something special throughout all of the, mm -hmm. uh, all of the seasons. Um, and we get creative. Yep, which has been fun and challenging yeah. and you know, stretched our uh, creativity, which was, it's really exciting. You know, maybe 
a little scary at times, but, um, but really just, I think overall a great business exercise. Um, and I feel like we've done a good job in the last year kind of setting ourselves apart. Um, and, uh, one of the things I think that makes us very special is that all four of us are very engaged in every yes. single aspect. And we're really present. We're here. We are, <laughs> we are very present. <laughs> we are here every Sunday, uh, some, you know, three of us and, um, we're in the tasting rooms. We really only have a couple people work for us and represent us. And, um, who are amazing, um, but, uh, it, I, I feel that that is when you come here, um, you know, there is a really good chance you're going to be talking to one of us um, in some way and you will feel, you know, our passion for this, um, because, uh, you know, we, we are in every nook and cranny, nook and cranny. Thank you. And adding to to that, um, what I've learned, I think we've all learned, is that it, to do this, you have to have help. Um, mm -hmm. And we, we, we do have, you know, a couple of people, you know, with us kind of all the time, but um, it, it's a lot of work. Um, it's very rewarding, but uh, I have learned that, and I think we all have, it's a lot of work. And um, so you have to have help. Um, and, 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 and having, I think it, it, it reminds me of our blue man world, our blue man, you know, family that we had, you know, um, that we tried to keep that here where we, we want people to, to work with us and help us who are into it like we are. And we have somehow, um, found some people that are that and do that. Um, for us, and um, so that's what I've learned. You know, specifically, is just that it's you know, we we do all of it. The four of us do all of it in some form or fashion. You know, and uh, but help is is crucial. We do it with yeah. help. Yes, yeah, sure. help, yeah. help is crucial, is and good definitely. help is uh, yeah. is even better. Yeah, beginning when we first arrived. The four of us were doing everything, every single thing, and we after, were even cleaning the cabins. Yes, yes, thing. we were. <laughs> and after a that sounds years, like fun. It's not. <laughs> and after a couple of years of that, we had we were grinding ourselves to a nub, yeah. and it was right. we were we were gonna burn out, and um, and so we we had to come to the we had to come to that conclusion. We said we need help. We can't keep doing this. We're just we're killing ourselves and. Uh, and so we learned a lot during that time, but also, you know, like Nick said, we realized that, that the way to do this properly is with a team. And with a team, I think that each one of them you can trust. You know, you can trust that they're doing the very best that they can, just like the four of us trust in all the different things that we do. We trust that each other are doing the best that we can, and when we need to connect, we do. But, you know, I trust that Lewis has got the line, you know, and so... That level of, of connection and trust, I think, is important with all of us. That's what makes it work. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it would yeah. not work as well. Definitely. So, teamwork makes the dream work. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So what's left the biggest impact on you? For me, I feel like it's the people that come into this place. I seriously 
feel like the people that come into this place, I mean, every, every single Sunday I leave just with immense gratitude. It's like an overwhelming feeling for the people that come here and visit us that walk through the door and just, you know, we hug and just thank you for coming back and being here. And, um, that, that actually is something that's left a huge impact on me. I draw a parallel to our experience with Blue Man Group that, you know, in, in, when we first started, um, in the early days when Carrie started and I started, you know, at that, that time there was 30 people in the entire company knew everybody and that as it grew, you felt much more like a cog in a machine and that we were just a small part of something very, very big that was much larger than ourselves. And the experience people, the, the, the patrons had coming to see the show was transformative for them. It was much larger than us. And I, I feel like our role here, you know, it's difficult to talk to people about being a quote-unquote owner. We don't call ourselves owners That's really true. very much. We consider ourselves the caretakers. Like we're taking care of it now. And it will be here after us, and and that the experience that people have when they come here, it's bigger than us. And and then when I'm, I feel like when I'm making wine, and the experience that someone's having, tasting that wine, they, you know, their experience as a as a, a wine uh, drinker, um, experiencing the the product that I'm that I make, and their experience when they have when they come here and enjoy the wine, and, and hear at the place, and smell the smells, and feel the breeze. It's bigger than me, and, and I'm just a, a part of it and doing my thing, and I'm enjoying the process, and it's really just an amazing thing. But um, but I feel like it's a continuation of of that journey in in the arts and, and as an artist and in the entertainment business. Is that here? I just feel like I'm I'm part of something much bigger than myself, and and I'd like to carry that on with me as I as I through all of my endeavors, including our children. I think one of one of the big things that I've learned, so I therefore say has an impact on me, is champion, championing the Southern hospitality that I think we all have in us just from where we, we all grew up in this part of the country. Um, that is something that's recognized when people come here, that they're coming to a place where they're not only welcome, but we're really going to get to know you and we're really going to spend some time with you. And I think you see that in the broader um, area in Elkin. Elkin itself is is definitely becoming that as well. It's going through its own renaissance. You know, it's going through a rebirth, I think, and and really, that's a big part of it. I I don't I, I've said before I don't often do wine tastings. Um, when I do, almost every time the question comes up, you know much like some questions, how did you get here? How did this happen? And it's, it's in telling that story, uh, um, how we got here, um, us having meetings and dinners and visions and, and poster board up on the wall and writing down, you know, okay, water and living off the land, all this kind of stuff. I, I'm not thinking about that when I'm mowing the vineyard or making a pizza. I'm not thinking about the story. Um, and the only time I really think about it is when people ask, and I sort of think, wow, okay, yeah, Jennifer and I got married down there. Carrie and Lewis were here. Uh, you know, Lewis was shoveling grapes with Mark. Now he's making our wine. Um, 
you know, I'm making the pizzas now, you know, and the, the impact has been and continues to be, you know, what, what we've done and what we're, what we're doing. Um, and I don't really think about it um, unless we're, we're together or we get asked a, a question specifically about our, you know, trajectory. But the impact has been, you know, we, we talked about this out in Las Vegas, you know, and, and here we are and we're seven years into it. And, you know, I'm proud of what we've done. Uh, you yeah. should be. Um, and, uh, and then, and it, and it keeps on, you know, it keeps going. So it, it's, it's impactful just uh, that we talked about doing this and we're doing it. And um, and it continues on, and, and, and we're striving to, to you know keep making it better, make the food better, make the experience better, make the grounds prettier, make the wine better, um, and uh, so that that this has an impact on you, you know, other people. I think it's super cool to see what is happening to the Yakima Valley. Just so cool to see people right. from all over the country come here to start vineyards. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people from California coming here and it is really cool to see that because we felt that seven years ago and it was almost seems like a slow process as the build of what the Yakima Valley has become. But we, we saw that happening seven years ago and now it just feels like it's taking off. Just super cool. Totally agree. Yeah. And it brings really cool people with us, which we've met a lot of recently. A lot of people are yeah. coming here. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of winding down on the questions here. Um, what's one thing you want visitors to Elkin Creek Vineyard to know when they come here to visit? I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Um, spend the day with us. You know, come do one of our cabin weekends. Come okay, do, so our cabin weekends are so here. cool because it's an all-inclusive weekend, and you're really getting here on Friday night. You know, we have breakfast from a local bakery in your cabin for the next morning. We have a four-course meal that Saturday night that is with the four of us. All mm-hmm. four of us are here. He's talking in-depth about the wine. He's making super special food because it's only eight people, you know, and Jennifer is too. <laughs> Jennifer is making really awesome food too. I'm sorry. It's, it's a little, it's a little thing. It's inside because, yeah, she makes, they, they are in the kitchen and they make awesome food. And I am just the hostess with the hostess. You are with the <laughs> um, But anyway, you really get the dynamic of the four of us. And then pizza on Sunday is just a, such a you know, immersive weekend with the four of us. And it's really fun for us. Uh, Really, really fun to get, you know, to know all the people that are here. We have that special one in September, which is a harvest weekend. It's always sells out within like a week. Um, But it's going down and watching Lewis down at the winery, barrel tasting, all that really fun stuff. I mean, that really gives you a flavor of our place and us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And oh, I was going to say, and if you can just come for the day on Sunday, like I said, come and of course enjoy pizza and enjoy wine, but take some time to really explore the place because it's, like you said, 
another part of, of who we are. We love families. You know, we have, if you're up here at about five o'clock on a Sunday, you'll probably, and you have kids, they'll probably be playing with our kids, running around, you know. Um, or on a special Sunday, you might even have as a special server. Oh, yeah. And one of our kids, our, our kids play little special roles every now and then. <laughs> They've just gotten old enough. We better check on the state laws. <laughs> before we, They're with us. Um, I think, well, we had talked about working together on maybe a particular episode focused on the Yakin Valley, ABA, and, and North Carolina wine. And the state of North Carolina wine, it really feels like you're you're stepping into Sonoma in the 1960s before it really, before people really realized the potential of what was happening and, and the qualities that we have here um, in the Yakin Valley. And as we had talked about, the, the vineyard management practices improving, the winemaking practices improving. Everybody's really honing their craft and learning about growing grapes and making wine in this place. And, and it's, it's an analog to old world Europe dropped right here into North Carolina. And there's a lot of reasons that that is so, and that's all to fill another episode of, of the podcast, but that the, um, you can feel the percolating energy of what is building here in, in the wine region and the great diversity of all the different kinds of wines and grapes and styles and tasting rooms and people's energy. And you really feel the cultural differences and, and just in the personalities of, of, uh, of the people when you go visit the different uh, tasting rooms throughout. And that hospitality that Jennifer was talking about is just, it just basic through everything. You just feel welcome everywhere you go. We certainly felt it when we moved back um, yeah. which was wonderful, and we love being a part of it now. I, that's what I feel like. There's such an amazing group of vineyards and wineries that are so supportive of each other. We just want, you know, if someone came in and they tasted all the wines and they didn't like it, which very rarely happens, I will say, what kind of wines do you like? Let me send you to the vineyard that will probably, because everyone's palate, it's just it's such a subjective thing. And um, I feel like the majority of us really support one another. There's a lot of people that tell people to come here on Sundays for pizza. And, you know, they'll be at another winery wherever, go to Elkin Creek for pizza. So I just feel like people are super supportive and it's a nice group. I really love being a part of it. Completely agree. Well, Lewis, Carey, Jennifer, Nick, thank you so much for the conversation. We definitely appreciate having you guys on Cork Talk. Learn so much. We definitely will uh, look forward to future conversations. Lewis, we're going to get that next one on the calendar. So, yeah. Thank thank you you. so much for having us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Cork Talk. Thanks again to the crew at Elkin Creek Vineyard. We hope this episode has inspired you to plan a trip and spend a day at the vineyard. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, It would be great if you left us a rating and a review. This helps others find our podcast and lets us know what else we can do. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NC Wine Guys. Until next time, and remember, a cork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Cheers! Cork Talk is a free LLC production.
And remember, a wine only talks and the cork's out of the bottle. <laughs> cork only talks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>